This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Ah, hello folks, welcome to episode 52, I think. Yeah, episode 52 of How You Going, Mate, the podcast. Uh, my name is Adam, uh, host, creator, producer, uh, content deliverer, uh, you name it, I do it all. Uh, and of course, we run this uh, initiative, I run this initiative, I should say, in partnership with my lovely wife, Barb, who um, who does quite a lot of the social media stuff and the writing and all of the uh, the things that you see, or a lot of the things that you see on our social media pages. So um, it is a, it's a passion project of ours. And uh, a little bit later on, we will talk a little bit, or I'll talk a little bit about why we do what we do. But the message of how you're going, mate, is very simple. Um, we uh, know that everyone experiences a level of mental health stress at some stage in their lives. Uh, we know that some people suffer from mental experience, I should say, I don't like the word suffer. Uh, experience mental health conditions, and we know that sometimes those mental health conditions make them mentally ill. Uh <clears throat> what we want people to recognise is that everybody at some stage in their lives, lives has a mental health issue uh, or a mental health condition um, and that uh, we want you to understand the signs and the symptoms, we want you to understand what uh, what that means, we want you to understand the seriousness of it and uh, the, as I said, well alluded to before, uh, the reason this page and, and podcast started is uh, as, as a result of it death by suicide of an old friend of mine, uh, Steve, and we talked to his wife, Amanda, um, or we'll have a little uh, snippet from his wife, Amanda, in a little while, but um, yeah, the death of Steve, and, and we want to try and avoid that, so we want to start having conversations about mental health, and we want you to be proactive about uh, supporting people with mental health, so rather than waiting for someone to come and ask for help or support, um, we want you to recognise the signs and symptoms of mental health, and we want you to go and ask people how they are. And we want you to um, just ask a simple question, and that is, how are you going, mate? But uh, we also want you to have uh, the skills and tools that you need to continue to have those conversations and to um, uh, support that person to uh, support their own uh, mental health and their well-being. So now that's essentially what we do. So this episode is a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> of course, uh, if you've been a, if you're a fan of television, you'll see that every so often they'll do what they call a clip show. Um, a clip show is a a little montage or a little series of uh, some of the little best bits of uh, different episodes of the show, and and, and sometimes it's um, I think a little bit of a uh, a little bit of not laziness, but a little bit of a, an opportunity for the writers to have a, and performers to have a rest and not have to uh, come up with new content. And it's certainly the case here. Um, you know, we've relaxed over Christmas and New Year's. We try to, but we continue to try and put out content. And so rather than just have um, myself and Barb, or even just me on my own talking on podcasts. Um, I want to try and play, uh, I'm not going to call it the best of 2020, because it, it really isn't. 
I mean, it, it's very good. <laughs> Don't make no mistake. But I want to play to you some of the 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 little bits this year that had an impact on me, and and little pieces from people that had an impact on me this year. Um, and the, the impact could be that it it was just something really cool. The impact could be that uh, the person changed my perspective. Um, it could be that you know just a little story behind it. But just want to talk about. Uh, I want to kind of shine a light on, on, on some of these things. And it turns out I've got 10. I didn't realize I had 10, so we'll call it the top 10 if you want. I don't care. <laughs> but, um, but I want to look at some of the yeah some of the little pieces that actually had an impact on me. And um, so we're going to hear uh, from a few different people, and um, none none of uh, only me. Uh, and also um, a little bit of a, the backstory as to why they were so impactful. So... Without further ado, let's have a look at the um, the first two, actually, and um, the first two were were Travis and Laura. In fact, it's Laura and then Travis. And uh, the really uh, so that we started this in August of two thousand and nineteen, and we were a few months in, and our good friend Eliza, who is coming up in the, in in a clip in a little while. Uh, introduced some friends of hers that live overseas to our podcast, and that is Travis and Laura. And they live in Louisville, I'm going to say properly, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville. And it's not, Lu- they just, they say it so beautifully, Louisville, Louisville. Anyway, they live in Louisville, Kentucky. And, um, and to me, it was one of the very first, for me, it was one of the very first international listeners that we had and 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 becoming aware that we were being listened to not just in Sydney not just in New South Wales not just in Australia but in other countries and and ultimately we've been listened to everywhere all over the world uh but Trav and Laura Trav and Laura were the uh were the OGs so to speak they were the originals and um they were so supportive and pre-corona only just pre-corona but pre-corona in January last year, they they were travelling, or December January last year, they were travelling uh, around Australia, and uh, ended up in Sydney, and of course caught up with their their good friends Craig and Liza, and we got we had the great opportunity to sit down and talk to both Travis and Laura, <clears throat> and record a little bit with them. So with Laura, we sort of uh, she's our first international guest, so uh, I just wanted to, to have a little bit of her on here, so um, just to, to acknowledge that. She was the very first international guest that we had. Uh, and, of course, Trav. And um, one of the things that Trav says is, talks about how he manages his mental health and talks about, and, and I actually really like this, talks about how he, um, one of the things he does is kind of doing the things that we used to do when we were kids, you know. And so he talks about just taking his dog for a walk and admiring and, um, what's the word, you know, just just taking in the 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 old buildings and and Louisville is a, a quite an old town um, has an old section old Louisville and so the, the ability to just stand there and take in that that view um, and and absorb that and kind of get lost a little bit in that so um, to Trav and Laura thank you uh, you also were the the they they said something really interesting at the time where they were. Travis said to me, you know, we, you know, we we wait for your show to drop like we wait for our next, you know, next episode of Netflix to drop. 
And it was one of the very first times that I realized that, you know, people actually are really listening to this. This is something that people really wait for. Um, and it was really quite an incredible experience. So thank you, Trav and Laura, for uh, all of your support. I know you guys still listen on a regular basis. And um, thank you so much for for being on the show. I hope to catch up with you guys real soon. I want to come to Kentucky. I want to get lucky in Kentucky. But uh, in the meantime, here's, uh, here's a little bit of Laura. And uh, following up is that from, oh, from that is um, a little bit of her husband, Trav. It's so much easier to... To I think normalize knee like physical stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, yeah. everybody can relate to that. Yeah. I think everybody at some point's been in pain, injured themselves somehow, and like Travis actually's got a sore knee right now. I'm yeah. sure I'll be happy to talk about <laughs> that. You know, um, but I uh, definitely think that you know being aware mentally yeah. um, is uh, and, and equally you injure that knee. The longer you leave it before you get treatment, the harder it is to fix it. Right, which is. Our heads. So, yeah, that's <laughs> part of why I like, you know, my routine is I like to go to the gym. And <coughs> what you're talking about, getting your stuff ready the night yeah. before, that's a big yeah. part of me having a good morning, honestly. Yeah. If, yeah. Because I don't like to talk to anybody first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, I like to just get my shit together and go. Yeah. And uh, so if I get my gym stuff out and my work stuff out and I, you know, have everything ready so that in the morning I have, I can just walk out the door. It'll help me with the rest of my day and yep. that'll help me continue on my routine. And I, you know, I take my vitamins and I'm making sure that I'm trying to stick to, um, the proactive approach, I yep. guess. It's just, it's work. It's, you just, you got to work at it every right. day. But now it's part of my life yeah. and I like it. Yeah. You know, I enjoy taking care of myself because even if I have my bad days, which I do, mm. I have my bad moments. They're not always bad days. Usually it's just a bad, you know, 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. it doesn't have to ruin my whole day or my yeah. whole week and it's not that's not who i am i'm not yeah. just anxious and depressed laura i am laura who sometimes is anxious and sometimes is depressed but yeah. like you know sometimes my back hurts sometimes you know it's that doesn't have to define me the other things i've the more i've thought of it i'm like all the stuff that makes me feel better mentally is stuff we did when we were kids yeah like yeah. Yeah, like i'm just gonna take my dog for a walk and stare at buildings yeah. and not like literally I'll, I'll listen to this podcast when i'm walking her um or sometimes i'll listen to like a sports podcast that i like or just yeah. some radio but like just walking around and looking at stuff yep. like cool buildings and just like our dog's getting a little bit older so like it's not i'm not taking her for a run it's like a leisurely walk so when yeah. she stops to sniff something i'm just gonna stand there and stare at buildings for you know for a minute or two or however long she takes yeah. So that um, started painting, though, been getting a lot of paint supplies. And like, if you keep it no stress, where it's yeah. just like, I'm not trying to paint a beautiful self portrait. I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm just throwing some colors on a canvas and seeing what comes out. And if it yeah. looks cool, it looks cool. If it doesn't, uh, you know, I was out a couple dollars of a canvas and, you know. Yeah. So that's been, been good. Um, one thing for me, music's big. I know you, you talked, you're a big music fan. And um, yeah. so for me, like, just like, I find like with music, um, there's so many songs that can like instantly like jump me out of a you know, bad mood, right? So yeah. like, if, if I'm in a terrible mood, pick a song that I really like. What you got you? What you? What your song? <sighs> Depends on what mood I'm trying to get out okay. of. Um, Give us a couple. It's okay. Arcade Fire, Wake Up, it will okay. pretty much jolt me out of uh, just about anything. Yeah. Um, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, like so many songs that they have, will will just can cover every emotion. Uh, went and saw him in concert a couple years ago, and my little brother went. And he'd actually um, never seen him in concert, and I was like, "You're gonna love it. He's gonna he's gonna hit your emotions." Yeah. 
he cried four times or three times during the concert, <laughs> and I was crying at the same songs, you know. But like the kind of happy cries. I did. I did that. I did that at you too <laughs> last year yeah, when I just, saw him. Just tears. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, My wife's like, looking at me going, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "No, no, no." They're, they're good tears. Don't worry about it. Like I'm just so happy to be here. I've seen him three times. I've never cried at them before. I don't yeah. Know. Anyway. Um, there's a band called Dawes. D A W E S. Yep. Um, they've got some really good songs. Um, uh, someone we played at our wedding. Um, we're actually staying in a neighborhood right now called Dawes Point. So whenever I saw yep. saw this neighborhood on Airbnb, I was like, "Oh, that's a sign!" Like that's we're gonna, we're we're, we're staying in Dawes Point because yep. Laura's got a doll shirt she's been wearing all around Australia, and I've been taking pictures of her in it. Trust, so <laughs> we can send it to the band. But alrighty. <clears throat> now, um, a big milestone for us this year was um, reaching a thousand listens for an episode, and it happened early in the year. And it was um, Simon and Blake, and. Uh, the episode that we talked uh, um, about childhood bullying and the effect that it had on Simon's life. And the interesting thing about it was that it started really slow. That episode only had about 50 listens on the first day. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, Blake shared the episode and it went boom. And it just had like 100 to 200 listens every day for about a, three or four days. Um, and it was incredible. And I know that Simon got really fantastic feedback for the episode. But um, Simon's story was a really interesting one. Um, Blake had messaged me and sort of said, listen, I've got this friend who's got pretty significant mental health condition and, you know, was recently was recently going to attempt suicide but called me and got in touch with me and he said, I, you know, I spoke to him but I don't know if I said the right thing. And I'm no expert on all this sort of stuff. I only probably know as much as anybody else knows I've done the assist suicide training through Lifeline and I've done mental health first aid. So I sort of spoke about what I knew, but, um, you know, Simon is still with us. Simon's still alive. So, and, and, you know, working on his mental health and thriving. So obviously something happened that went right. Uh, anyway, I, um, I spoke to Blake about man, possibly having Simon on the, on the show and it happened very quickly that he, that he got on, but you know, unbeknownst to me, he'd, he'd only, um, you know, he was sort of in the middle of his experiencing, you know, really poor mental health. And um, it was a few weeks between recording the episode and broadcasting the episode. And in that few weeks, Simon had actually improved pretty dramatically. So the episode for him became a little bit of a time capsule of how he was feeling at the time, which was really interesting and, and good for him to be able to go back and reflect on. Now, of course, our clip that we're going to play actually comes from a second net recording we did together. Um where Blake, for the most part, is talking about an initiative that Simon and, and he started, a social media thing similar to what we're doing, with um, called Listen, and really focusing in on that space where you're talking, you've asked somebody, how are you going, mate? But what do you say next? And how do you respond? And how, how can you properly listen to that person so they feel like they're being heard? Um, so it was really fantastic. It was really, um, it was an incredible uh, kind of experience and really great. I don't, don't think for a second I had any part in his recovery, but um, I like to think maybe talking to us kind of helped, and and definitely being able to see some improvement um, between when we spoke and when he actually heard the episode definitely helped. I know he had great feedback from friends and family about it, so and great support. So, um, so Simon and Blake, um, if you get a chance, their their initiative's called Listen. Jump on uh, to Facebook and support that. We have had a couple of chats now. It was great to catch up with them both times. 
um, and really fantastic to, to see Simon um, looking after his mental health. Again, if you have a chance, go back to listen to what he's done. He you know, did all the right things, went and saw a counsellor and a doctor and takes medication and does the things that he needs to do to look after his mental health and, um, and has had incredible success. So uh, here's just a little bit from our second episode with Simon and Blake. Now, the other thing that you guys have done in the meantime as well, because I want to give this plug, um, is listen. Yeah. It, it, tell us a bit about listen. So uh, I, I, I guess the, 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 everything all started with obviously Simon's, Simon's journey, Simon's experience. Um, when, when everything had happened, um, well, actually it was after that first phone call that you gave me back in well, mid-late December. Mid-late December. I after I got off the phone, I, I was speaking to my wife Steph, um, and I, I I wasn't sure if I'd said the right things to Simon. I had yeah. no idea. I think I even messaged you um, when we were talking about yeah. getting Simon involved. I, I wasn't sure whether anything that I said was was right, whether there is a protocol for how you handle the conversation. Yeah. So I started to do a little bit of research well, that night, looking at uh, looking online, whatever I could find. I had a look at various um, mental health. Websites such as yeah. Beyond Blue, um, Sane, things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't really find much information. Um, I could find little bits and pieces, but it wasn't readily available. And to me, it, it kind of represented a, 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 not a flaw to the system, but a, a flaw is how I'll explain it, how, uh, how I'll describe it, in that we want people to be able to, to talk. Uh, we want people to start the conversation. But the reality is the majority of people, Simon being a perfect example, his first port of call was not to a, a mental health professional. Yeah. He didn't call up a, a counsellor, a psychologist, um, and say, I'm going through this, I need to talk. He turned around to his best mate and said, this is, this is going on right now, it's real. And in that moment, if you're not saying the right things, or if, if you say one thing that comes across... Uh, like you don't care if, it, yeah. if it, you could give the wrong information. Who knows what you've done? Mm. Um, it, I, I could have said something, and thankfully, obviously, it didn't happen. But Simon could have turned around and gone out that night and done something that yeah. we, we wouldn't want. And it really concerned me. So I, I started to do more and more research into it, and I really couldn't find enough. So um, we we brainstormed and came up with a few things based off the conversation that I had with Simon and um, a few other bits of research of essentially what what would be encouraged to, to do if someone turned around to an everyday person and said, I'm not okay, I need to talk. No. Um, basically equipping everyday people to be able to handle that conversation as yeah. best as possible yeah. to transition that person into the start of their journey to recovery. Yeah. Um, because that's essentially what that conversation is. Yeah. Um, so we, we started we started putting bits and pieces together. Um, the idea is that the first port of call is just to listen. Uh, when that person yeah. says, I'm not okay, you don't need to sit there and talk. You don't need to solve the problem. Yeah. You're not going to. No. They just, the, the best solution, the, the, best, uh, the best thing that can come out of that situation is knowing that they've been able to talk and vent because it could lead to them being aware of their own situation, them being aware of their own, their own health, their own problems, issues, whatever it may be, and then eventually going and, and having the conversation with the right person who can then assist. All right, our... Um Another episode that had a, a bit of an impact on my life this year, and, and for various reasons, um, 
was tackling the challenge with um, Brendan and Deb, Deborah Ferry. Um, Brendan Bennett and Deborah Ferry uh, from the South Western Sydney Primary Health Network. Tackling the challenge was a, um, a men's mental health project, and um, they also had a, uh, a thing, um, a video component to that called Living the Living Library, um, which we recorded a film clip for, and I, I put that up, up on the Facebook page. I may, um, I might reshare it actually, but um, met them uh, through a professional connection of mine and. And was introduced to them, and, and basically we swapped stories. So um, they came on the podcast and talked about uh, their experience um, and their perspective on mental health and well-being. And uh, we talked about um, their project. And of course, I, I went on and talked about what we do with How You Going, Mate, uh, with them. I talked about my mental health experience and uh, experience with my mental health and my mental health conditions. And um, and then also spoke to them about uh, and then did the, the living library recording with them. Which was a fantastic experience and really, um, you know, wonderful to hope. Hopefully, that people got the opportunity to to see that and, you know, maybe encourage somebody to explore their own mental health. Uh, maybe help someone to feel not not as alone or isolated. Um, you know, like maybe someone understood who they were. But um, so one of the things I ask people in our podcast is their tips for managing mental health or tips for you know looking after themselves. And Brendan. Gave me, uh, I think, hands down, one of the um, not weirdest, but um, Brendan actually <laughs> said. Um, so the, the episode is called "Tackling the Challenge of Cold Showers in the Dark," because Brendan said that one of the things that he does to wind down is to have a cold shower in the dark. Um, basically, it it changes the sensory kind of in, in, input of it, and it, it it's a really um, you know makes it a very different experience. And I know that, uh, like Barb, uh, my wife who is involved with our project. I know that she loves to have a shower as a way of sort of calming down when she feels a little bit on edge. Um and it you know, and they are a very sensory experience, the water and the sound and the heat and the and the noise and, and even just the feeling of being cocooned inside the the shower recess. So uh, I kinda get it. Now we promised um we all spoke about how trying this and I haven't done this yet. Um I certainly have have Put the shower on cold in a hot day when it's you know you just want to cool down before you get out of the shower. So you you know you you turn the heat right down and you have a cold effectively a cold shower. And I've, I've certainly heard people talk about um, cold showers as a way of kind of shocking the body. Um, definitely good for lowering the blood pressure. Um, uh, cold putting your face in cold water. The, I think it's called the the mammalian drowning reflex um, will lower your blood pressure. And I know Tony Robbins uses a, an ice cold plunge pool as a part of his morning regime, but um, yeah, haven't done the cold chair in the dark yet. But this is one of the uh, the one of the one of the more unusual responses I got about how what do you do to look after yourself? And and again, hey man, maybe somebody tried it and it might have worked and it might have been really cool. Uh, but a big thank you to um, to Brendan and Deborah for the work that they do. A big thank you to Deborah for. Uh, continuing to involve me in her project. I really appreciate that. And uh, enjoy Cold Showers with Brendan Bennett. We joked about massages. I mean, we joked about Adam Day last time we chatted. Don't and um, and <laughs> and um, <laughs> you just outed yourself. <laughs> but um, but uh, that massages are great for that. I practice it while I'm doing that. I almost like do a yeah. little meditation in it because I, f- I really focus on 
the sensation that I'm feeling physically in that environment, you know, the sensation of that person's hand or wrist or elbow or whatever it is on, on my back or on my neck or on my shoulders and really trying to keep in that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, one of the things that I loved about it when I first did it because that's – and why it has become such a big part of my self-care regime yeah. is because that's what I do. Yeah, and absolutely. it's one of the few places where I actually have that – Ability. I can't, I've tried meditation, I just can't quiet my mind. Yeah. I just can't do it. About, about eight minutes is an absolute maximum <laughs> and then I'm just done. I can't sit there for that long. But um, the mindfulness stuff, yeah, I, and for, for men out there or anyone out there that's listening, like we said, it sounds hippy-trippy, but yeah. try it. Just literally bring yourself back. Yeah. Focus on the bird. Listen to the song. It could be as easy as when you're eating. Like, yep. taste the food. Yep. Slow it down. Count your, your chews. Yeah. Um, but be aware of that flavor in your mouth because, like, you know, that leads on to nutritional health and, yeah. and all those things as well. But if people actually slowed that down, there's all these other benefits from that as well. I, um, if I'm feeling particularly, particularly like, stressed and over it and I need to, like, disconnect my brain and unhook a little bit, it sounds really silly, but I like to have a cold shower in the dark. So, like, <laughs> it takes away, like, you know, one of your like senses you know you yeah. can't like see but it makes you like stop and be present makes you feel the water on your skin it like totally settles you had me i did the cold shower thing like i but when yeah. you went to the dark i was like well, I'm yeah no like here. no like you can just like <laughs> adam's no I, i'm i'm <laughs> Give it a go. I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> give, it a, give it a red hot crack. Like we're right. all going to do it tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just yeah. message each other tomorrow. Yeah. How did you but go? But even ending a shower on cold, yeah, like that does things to your nervous system, yeah. and that sparks things. And sorry, I cut you off. No, no, like it's just about. Well, like if it's you know warm or cold, whatever. Like I've done both, but like if you're in the dark, like it's you're able to be like a, just a little bit more present. You can yeah. feel the water on you. You can stop and think. It's one of my wife's go-tos when she's had a bad day. She'll go in yeah. to, if she's in for a shower. Yeah. Following um, water restriction guidelines. Four minutes, yeah, of course. But uh, I, I say to people as well, there's a whole range of sensory things that are happening. There's the noise. There's mm-hmm. a, you know, an element of the noise being blocked out. Um, if it's a steamy kind of a shower, it's almost like it, it, it envelops you. It's a, like a cocoon. Yeah. But you're also in that small environment anyway. So you're kind of – and if you can manage to do it and have – you know, if you've got a lock on your bathroom door um, and nobody comes in and yeah. interrupts you, you have get, again, a couple of minutes of peace and quiet. Yeah. But, you know – It's look, underrated. There's no, underrated. There's no silly yeah. ideas yeah. in this one. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to, for people out there, if you're listening to this, give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, yeah. give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. Try yeah. it. Try it. Show a cure for lots of things. Like when a- uh, now, uh, one of the great things that happened out of meeting Brendan and Deb is that I got introduced to Johnny Lobos. And Johnny Lobos is quite incredible. <laughs> I, I think of him as a bit of a renaissance man, and if you meet him, he's got this long, flowing hair and the stubble, sort of Jason Momoa style, and he's this, you know, very cool character, very put, you know, well put together. Um, awesome guy. So I, I had the opportunity to meet him um, very early in 2020. And uh, look, I... It's really interesting. We um, we recorded the episode in, I guess, February um, with the idea that it was, would go to air sometime in the middle of March. Um, and at the time in the episode, we're talking about um, 
the fact that he was opening what he called the Wolf Life Academy, which was a jiu-jitsu school in um, in uh, a fitness centre here in Campbelltown, or in Campbelltown, on, uh, in southwestern Sydney. And he, um, of course, neither of us knew. By the time the episode came out, coronavirus had struck. And so, and, and we were locked down. And so the opening of his jiu-jitsu school was postponed. And it, eventually it did open, but when it did open, the the centre that they were involved with um, closed because of... Um, the massive impact of COVID-19 on their business. And so Lobos was forced to go and find uh, alternative. So not only did he... It, one of the things that really struck me about him is this indomitable spirit, and he refuses to be a victim. And that, that's where we really connected in our conversation because at the time I was really thinking along the lines of um, the importance of taking responsibility for your mental health. You know, nobody's going to do this for you. You have to do this. You can't have, um, you know, you can't make excuses and don't be a victim, you know. Uh, and if someone says to you, how are you going, mate, and you don't take that opportunity to, you know, and they, they offer support and you don't they take that opportunity for support, well, you, that's your responsibility. That's on you. And um, I think we share a similar kind of idea with this, uh, Lobos and I, but... Rather than lay down and just go, oh, well, it's all over now, I, you know, he went out and they rent a factory unit and they created the Wolf Life Academy and they run jiu-jitsu schools for adults and children and, and a variety of classes and they run fitness classes and from all accounts, it's thriving. And I think the two things that really um, strike me and, and, and make me think that this has been a success for him is that wolf life isn't it's a way of life for him you know the the pack mentality of the wolf once you're part of the academy you are part of the pack he they have a, a slogan on their wall we're not a gym we're a family and that's their ethos um he speaks in the episode about not wanting to um you know about not wanting to be a traditional jiu-jitsu school, wanting to kind of change the game. And we talk about that. A lot of people talk about that, but he's changed the game. So he refused to lie down. He refused to be a victim to COVID. He got up and he, he created something fantastic. Um, the other thing is his, his holistic approach to this. You know, he looks at, you know, when someone comes in and says, I want to lose weight, it's not just, well, physically, why do you want to? But mentally, why do you want to? And I think that's so important. And so uh, this is just a little bit of Lobos um, talking about uh, his perspective on mental health and, and a little bit of his journey. But go and check him out, man, Wolf Life Academy, um, even if you just follow and, and follow some of the stuff that they do and, and maybe uh, hear some of the things that Johnny says. But it's, it's very, very cool. So um, big thank you to Johnny Lobos. And the, here is a, a, little bit of, a little bit of his episode. Yeah, I mate, I always say I, I always talk about it in terms of physical health. If you broke your leg, you'd go to the doctor. Yeah, you know, if you broke your leg right now, I wouldn't try and fix your leg for you. I'd go, <laughs> Johnny, stay there. I'm going to call AAA. I'm going to make you comfortable, and I'm going to get a professional in to come and help you. And uh, and I think there's again the physical part of it is you know if you're carrying an injury and you've got a big competition coming up. You're going to kind of try and hide that injury because you don't want anyone to. You want to compete. Yep. You don't want anyone to know there's a weakness. You don't want anyone to be able to exploit that. You yeah. just want to go in and do your very best. And if you 
if you can't do that, well, then something's really seriously wrong. It's physical. It's the same as physical health. It's it's like any injury. You get it early enough. You get on top of it early enough. You rehab it properly. You can recover from it. You can get on and move on with your life. And it's just like when you're going through it, though, like you actually think the opposite. You're like, if I yeah. show this, then I'm done for. But and that's what I mean. Like now that because I talk about my my mental health story all the time. Like if there's someone that's yeah. going through something, I'm like, well, you know what? I used to suffer from anxiety pretty yeah. bad yeah. in my early twenties for like three years yeah. um, and I speak about it openly and it's almost funny like it's it actually powers me now yeah like you feel liberated by being able to speak about it and talk about it and share your story yeah. and about the things that you kind of did to push through and to get better yeah um, but having definitely my partner like in my story it did make a very big difference because I had that really loving and logical person there to kind of help me but at the same time I started to notice that taxing effect it was having on her yeah. and that's when I really decided to do something for myself and for her and my mental health because so what was your first step yeah so look I, did, I told her and then I felt automatically better and then of course I'm like oh cool I'm cured this is all good <laughs> yeah. but it didn't work like that it yeah. was still getting worse and worse and worse and that's why she'd be like you need to go to the doctors you need to go to the doctors and I, would, I was refusing for months and months and months and months but then I saw like I remember once we were having a conversation about it and she broke down crying because of all the weight that she was carrying like she was working I believe at that time at the Black Stump in Lumiere it's not there anymore yeah, yeah. and she quit a job so that she could be, me, would be with me on weekends and I'm like man this is like really bad this is like this it's, is your problem it's now really affecting other yeah, people and, yeah and, and that's the thing with mental health is that man it takes everyone down with you like yeah. around you and that's, it's almost like I had like a little click and, um, and it was like, it's one thing to have your partner there to support you and to love you, but they're not meant to um, solve this for you. No. It's like your problem. It's like I said with the leg. She's yeah. not going to fix your broken no, leg for you. No, 100%. And yeah. it's, you just don't realize that at the point. But um, I was like, this is my problem to solve. It honestly is if I don't, not man up, but just as a person, take responsibility for my issues. Yeah. I'm not going to get better. Yeah. And I really didn't want to become a person where I just start to point my fingers and, and start to blame everyone around me and yeah. going, the reason why I'm not getting better is because you're not supporting me. Well, you're not taking care of me. You're not helping me. Yeah. At the end of the day, they don't have to. Yeah. And even if they did that, if you don't get the correct treatment, it's not going to solve the issue. Yeah, no. And, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the doctors. And that's the first thing I did. I went and spoke to a local GP. All right, another one of these um, professional relationships that kind of uh, uh, introduced me to a couple of people. Um, I had the great uh, fortune through the year to meet Ben and David from the men's table. And the men's table is an initiative, and, and Ben in the clip actually speaks about um, part of what part of the birth of the men's table and why they do it. But it's a fantastic initiative where they get a group of men um, to meet once a month. Um, have dinner and talk about what's going on for them. And the tagline is: "Tagline is we don't talk, we don't just talk about footy and shit." Um, and I love it. It's not about small talk. It's not about business. It's not about politics or religion. It is about what is going on for you in your life. And it's about creating a space where men can speak freely about how they feel and not feel like they're going to be judged and feel like there's going to be another group of men in the room who will understand them. 
Um, as I said, you'll hear Ben talk about this, but uh, men's the men's table for me came along uh, at a time when I kind of needed uh, that support network, that extra support network. I'm a reasonably good support network, but um, you know we can always do with more people, more connection. And it came along at a time when I needed it, and it was really quite a fantastic, um, really quite a fantastic opportunity to connect with another group of men. We're still exploring our table. Um, uh, we're still exploring how we go. But Ben and David have started, they started nine years ago with one table, and now they're up to 22 tables across Sydney and um, one in Victoria as well. So it's really quite... It's a fantastic initiative. Uh, you know, there are a few places or a few programs around somewhat similar, but this is a fantastic initiative. It's it's I I do believe it'll save men's lives. I know I know that they know that it's saved men's lives so far. So this is a little bit of Ben talking about the men's table, uh, but a big thank you to Ben and David. We had great conversations with them, and, and Ben also talked about his experiences with adult ADHD or a lifetime of ADHD uh, or, or ADD, which I genuinely um, related to. And um, David also gave this really when he spoke, and I haven't included the clip. I just wanted to include a little bit about the men's table, but David also spoke about uh, his experiences with med- meditation and just how important it is to get out in nature and experience nature and be a part of the world. and And we know that. Um, we know that experiencing nature gives you uh, gives your mental health a boost. So have a listen to this. Go back and listen to their episodes. They're fantastic. If you're interested in a men's table, um, by all means, shoot me a message. Where we've got one out of Campbelltown. We're looking for a couple more members. Um, if you're in the the southwestern Sydney area, and of course, um, but uh, you might want to listen to what they say. Look at what they do. Get in contact with them, and maybe start one in your area. So. Uh, this is Ben from the men's table, and um, and also he, much to my jealousy, he was. I've often often talked to people. If you ever talk to me about music, you'll hear me talk about the first big day out that Nirvana played, and I wish I had have gone to. And Ben Ben Hughes was in the crowd for that show, and I, yeah, I really look very jealous. So yeah, Ben from the men's table. I've also got the men's table thing yeah. which I'll, I'll go on to talk about that that's yeah by yeah. all means please so I'll, I'll go right back to all the way back to 2001 um i was part self-employed part of a business networking group um and i was feeling pretty shitty i'd been through a, a pretty destructive divorce self-employment wasn't going well i was worried about my son all kinds of things I was talking to two guys at the end of, of the meeting, and I said to them, I'm, I'm really depressed, I'm really unhappy, things aren't going well. Um, and they, they said that the conversation turned a bit darker than that. I can't remember that, but yeah. maybe it did. Yeah. Um, and they said, oh, we know exactly how you feel, mate. Mm. We, we feel exactly the same way. So, And at that moment, I thought, I hear a lot of this. I hear a lot of guys actually saying how they feel. Then I realised because I'm pretty open. I'm mm. an open book. I'll be yeah. like, I'll tell you how I feel. If I <laughs> I feel like shit, I'll tell you. If you yeah. know, yeah, I've usually got two speeds. It's either overly excited or, or depressed. So that's <laughs> pretty much how, how I operate. <laughs> two I can just see your partner wake you up, going, "Right, it's that kind of day, is it? Yeah, Let's which, go." <laughs> which one is, oh, she's so tolerant. Bless her. I pushed push that woman so far out of her comfort zone. Oh my god. Um, anyway. Um, 
So, oh, there you go. I've lost. What were you saying? <laughs> two, two speeds. <laughs> two spe- yeah, two speeds. And you were, ta- you were talking to these men after, after the Yeah, yeah that's right. So, um, talking to these guys, and they said, we know exactly how you feel. Yeah. And um, I thought at that moment, well, I hear a lot of that. So, it's basically about being an open book. And I thought, at that moment, I thought, if you open the door for men by telling them how you feel, by empathising, going, mate, I feel like shit, blah, 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 being open and honest and vulnerable, you have opened the door for them to walk through and yeah. do exactly the same thing. Yeah. So the next week at that meeting, I stood up and said, I'm starting a men's group. Who's in? Uh, nine years later, uh, we're still meeting. Yeah. On the third Wednesday of every month, yeah. we meet. Uh, we met in a, we started off in Surrey Hills, meeting in a private room in a restaurant. We've got 11 of the original 12 guys still meeting, wow. still turning up. And we talk about the highs and the lows of our lives. Um, <clears throat> and we've heard all sorts. We've, you know, we've had um, death, birth, separation, divorce, reconciliation, financial ruin, um, whatever. In, yeah. in, you know, nine years, 12 guys, yeah. we've heard it all. So we've got to acknowledge that our, by far our most popular episode this year and ever has been Asher from Wayahead. And Wayahead is uh, the former New South Wales Mental Health Commission. They're responsible for uh, Mental Health Week and all of the things that you see with Mental Health Week in October. And um, they're responsible for running that. But Asher is an art therapist with them. And uh, so I got connected to Asher through Ben that we just uh, spoke about a little minute ago. Uh, And we just heard his clip. And I got introduced to Asher through Ben and uh, we recorded on the same day, actually. So Ben and Asher, we did back-to-back recordings that day. That was really that was fun. Um, heading over to Piedmont and recording in their offices was really cool. But um, yeah, Asher, look, Asher's had over thirteen hundred listens, and that's incredible. And uh, just a, again, the power of sharing. We just saw a little share on on social media from way ahead, and their their base, their fan base or support, you know, follower base, really took the, took it up for us and listened incredibly um so it was really incredible to have that now every so often um ash's episode was really interesting to me every so often someone says something to me uh, that kind of just i I, changes the way i think or changes gives me a different perspective and 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 a deeper understanding of a a concept related to mental health and she talks about dan siegel's um hand explanation of the brain now Clearly, this is a visual thing, and you can YouTube it if you need to, but Asher does a f- very good job of um, describing it. But basically, uh, describing uh, using the hand, describing what happens to the brain when you when you go into anxiety mode and you go into uh, some of the behaviours associated with anxiety. And it's, it's as I said, very insightful, and I really enjoyed, actually, when I, like I said, sometimes when I hear things, they just, they impact on me, and I really make sense to me. So I really um, I'm, I'm, was happy to sit and ta- chat to Asher. Uh, I believe we actually went over 10,000 listens with Asher as well. So um, total listens to the show. So that was incredible too. So she's a, got a place in the, the How You Going Mate Hall of Fame um, as, as a, one of our very first, aware, at the moment, our most listened to episode and the person that was there for over 10,000 listens. But this is uh, Dan Siegel's um, explanation via Asher of what happens to the brain when you uh, go into an anxiety response. Because mm. when the stress is present, the part of your brain that can process it 
It's gone. It's gone. Mm. Um, and so I'm an art therapist yep. by training, and I used to work with kids. And we'd use this model called the hand model of the brain, which I believe um, was sort of either invented or popularized by Dan Siegel. And it uses your hand as a model of how the brain works. And the I'll, I'll try and describe it as best as I can because I'm used to actually showing people. But well, show me. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'll, I'll try and also use a lot of descriptive words. Yeah. So if you think the... Um, sort of base of your hand and yep. going into your wrist is like the brain stem, so the reptile brain, and that yep. um, controls all the bodily functions, so, you know, heart and digestion and blood mm. flow and all those sort of things. Um, and that talks very well to the next part, which is the mammalian brain. So mm -hmm. I'm putting my thumb over my... Okay. Um, as though I'm about to... I feel like I know where this is going. Yep, go on. Yeah, and yep. so that, you know, talks directly to the brainstem and controls, you know, says, hey, there's a threat coming. Run. Run or, you know. Freeze or. Heartbeat. Yep. Faster or. Send blood to the yeah, extremities, that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's the part that mm. is active when we're looking at yep. risk. Um, or, yeah, if we think there might be a tiger around the corner or if we leave the clothes on the floor and we think mum's going to get angry. That's yep. the part of the brain that's active. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got our fingers, which are our prefrontal cortex. And we wrap that around. Yeah. Um, so they can talk and connect to the... Um, so that's the, the thinking brain yep, is yep. the fingers. Yep. They can talk to the mammalian brain. Um, but when that mammalian brain is switched on... You, and this is what I would say with kids and you know parents as yeah, well. Yeah. Your fingers fly up and you flip your lid. Right. Okay. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And so then that connection is mm. gone. Your fingers, your you know thinking brain is not connected to anything else that's happening in your brain. Yeah. Um, and I, I love this model because it is visual. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so really great for a podcast to use visual model. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, but when, no, I get it. The, the yeah, fingers are flying up, flying and, up, and now those fingers that were once connected to that thumb, touching that thumb, they're no longer there. Yeah, they're done. Exactly. They're um, so you can't stop that process from happening completely, and nor should you really want to, because what if there is a tiger? Um, yeah. But what you can do is strengthen the connection between yeah. the thinking brain and the mammal brain, and sort of if you think about it like so it's almost like your fingers are on elastic bands yeah, yeah. Um, so they fly up the bands release and then they sort of come back down but you yeah. can tighten those bands yep, yep. Um, but you can only do that when you know the fist is closed, closed when it's on yeah. um, so and the more that you tighten those bands the less likely you are to have a mammalian brain response yeah. to something that is not directly threatening. Yeah. Again, you don't want to turn it off completely because sometimes things are directly threatening. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you can strengthen it to lessen the likelihood of flipping your lid yep. at times that don't need you to flip your lid. Yeah. Now, one of our greatest uh, supporters here at How You Going, Mate, is my very good friend, Eliza. And uh, Eliza and her husband, Craig, 
They are incredibly supportive of what we do. Eliza's helped me uh, immensely. Listens to they both listen to every episode. They listen to more episodes than I do sometimes. And I'm really proud of our relationship, and I'm happy, you know, to call them my friends. I, I love them deeply, and it's and it's been a very very good relationship. And I'm so glad that that I have them in our lives. And um, both been on episodes as 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 has Craig's brother Mikey. Um, but Eliza and Craig both been on episodes. Now Eliza, this year, uh, did. Um, had a, a baby in COVID, uh, my little godson, Cruz, and um, that experience in itself was interesting. Eliza, as she talks about in the episode, uh, experiences postpartum anxiety, and she, the, the, I think the clip that we listened to, she talks about the fact that nobody told her about postpartum anxiety. Postpartum depression was certainly mentioned a lot, but postpartum anxiety wasn't. Um, but also, one of the things that she did... Uh, as a result of that, was start a Facebook page called the New Mum Village. And it's particularly for people in the Engadine area of the Sutherland Shire here in Sydney. But, um, I mean, I I think there's there's plans afoot to kind of maybe perhaps extend this somehow. And I, I, I don't know what they're going to do yet, but I think... We've had some discussions about that, but it's an incredible concept, and basically it's just a Facebook group for new mums. And it's the idea, one of the things I believe it's so important in what we do, and it's a recurring theme, is this theme of connection. This theme of, you know, and one of the very first episodes we did, Nathan talked about, um, and it's still a quote that I just live and breathe by, which is, you know, your mental health condition will tell you you're alone. It'll tell you that no one understands, no one gets you, no one has ever felt this bad. It'll tell you that no one, you know, no one will understand you. And one of the things that we hope happens with this is that somebody listens to this and hears someone else tell a story that's similar to their own and goes, oh, wow, I'm not alone. And then can go out and hopefully start to explore their mental health, their wellness and their recovery. So I believe it's so important to have that connection and and I'm certain that there are mums, I know for a fact there are mums that sit there that look at this baby and go, what do I do now? Because nobody gives you you an instruction manual. Um, Mums that are nervous, mums that are, as, as Eliza talks about, anxious, and mums that just need some reassurance that they're okay and that they're doing a good job. And so she talks about the birth of the new mum village. Now, I'm so proud of her because she won a Sutherland Shire Community Award this year. Um, this was incredible for her, a real um, a real nod to her achievement and what she's done so beautifully this year. So... Uh, a little bit about the new mum's village, a little bit about her experience with postpartum anxiety and certainly something that we've spoken about with, with our family before and a little bit about our one of our great supporters and, and again, I mentioned before the, the Hey Go Mate Hall of Fame. Uh, if there's ever a Hey Go Mate Hall of Fame, I actually think I say in her episode, if there's ever a Hey Go Mate Hall of Fame, she's the first entry. Uh, this is Eliza and the new mum village. Aaron, I think it was just... I didn't know if there was anyone else who felt the way I felt um, and who needed people. And we talked about that. I mean, we talked about that off air in relation to something else, but 
it, it, this is surrounding like so much of the theme of what we're talking about across all of the podcasts in the last couple of months has been the idea of I feel like I'm alone. I feel like no one else understands me. Yeah. No one else gets it mm-hmm. until you say to someone, this is how I feel. And they go, yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. And you go, oh, shit. And that feeling of being connected to someone, that feeling that there's someone else that gets what you're thinking yeah. is so super important. Like, it's just ridiculous. And I, I think what actually also um, it was positive that, that Craig and I have a very great relationship where we can say to each other, look, I don't understand where you're coming from, mm. but I support you. Mm. But I don't get it. And Craig will openly say that to me where he will say, look, I, I'm not pregnant. I don't understand. And then he yeah. was going through with his own mother being so unwell. He had his own stuff going on, mm. um, which I didn't completely understand either. I mean, obviously, I was upset too, but it's not my mum. And anxiety is a bit of a different animal as well. It really is. Craig know. doesn't suffer from anxiety no. anytime. No. So he doesn't really understand. I suffer from it. All the time. It's just which level, like what's happening today that will make it or, you know, what am I going to overthink about now? Like whatever. Um, And luckily I've got a really close girlfriend who is also an overthinker and we can just message each other and we may have once messaged each other about, you know, one time I think I was a little upset because I thought my eyes were too close together. And Okay. Yeah. comment makes sense. Yeah. I think whoever read that on Facebook the other day may have understood now what I'm talking about. And she just gets it. And then she'll write back something else. And like that she understands. However, she wasn't pregnant. And I thought, well, I can go to you and I can talk to you, but it's another level. I need someone who is pregnant that may be going through something like this, that may be feeling worried about COVID, may be upset that, you know, that we're not even having a baby shower. Like I I know it's my second child. I wasn't going to have a baby shower, but I thought, well, maybe I'll have a little lunch to Mm. celebrate, like with some really core women in my life. Mm. Couldn't do that. So I thought, well, who's out there? And I uh, just created a little post and put it on our community Facebook page. Yeah. And I just said, hi, um, is there anyone out there that's pregnant or has a newborn that just wants to be part of a little group that we could catch up? And I thought maybe I'd get my 10 or five or mm. at least one person. Yeah. Um, instantly, I had about 10 people um, overnight. And then the next day, it just started growing a little bit more. And then other people would recommend or they'd message me to ask me and um, from that page, you know, have you created a page yet? Because at first I was just going to try and manage it with just doing a message group. And then it just got a little bit bigger and I thought, oh, I'll just create something. And so I created the local area um, mums group for newborns and bumps, bumps and newborns. I thought, oh, we'll just see how many we get and whatever. Mm. And it was never about, oh, let's try and get lots of people. Mm. It was just who needs it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it got to about 40 people. And I thought, oh, God, that's a lot of people. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't ready for this. Um, I just wanted a couple. I'm going to need a bigger spreadsheet. I know. Thought, how, would I throw my, how would I throw Cruz's first birthday inviting 40 mums before I've even invited the rest of my friends and family? So you have to like, hold it at Shark Park or something like that. I know. Like I'm just sell tickets. Um, so, wow, that's a good idea. Yeah. No. Um, Write that down. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I just decided after that, like I'd created the group and we made it private, but it was, you know, getting bigger. And then within two months, we had 85 people. And by this time, I'd had the baby. Yep. Um, I'd had Cruz and I was just like, oh, wow, I'm up all night so I can organize this and I can, you mm. know, feed and write things and share things. And people were sharing because a lot of people were due. It was more like yeah. I'm due now. Mm. And babies were being born and we were getting photos and it was just, we were able to share things and we'd never met 
um, I think I'd met one of the mums. Actually, I'd never actually met her yet. We'd sat together in the same waiting room for our obstetrician and we're both part of the group. We had no idea until we got home that night and I'd messaged to say I'd been at an appointment and she'd also messaged and said, oh my gosh, I think I saw you. And then I went, oh my gosh, I think I saw you because we both recognised each other's partners mm-hmm. and each other's, like my older son. And it was weird because we were sitting right next to each other and without that group, we would not have known that we literally live a couple of streets apart and our babies mm-hmm. have been born five days apart and now we, you know, have each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we, I saw her, she was the first person who's met Cruz actually because she was at the hospital. Uh-huh. And so okay. we couldn't have visitors, but yet... She couldn't, and she was having her little beautiful little girl that day. Yeah, and um, I was leaving the hospital that yeah, day. Yeah, I was going. That's what that's, that's how I imagined it. You're walking yeah. out. She's and it was. And I said, me. you should take my room. It's got views of the city. <laughs> <laughs> nice sunrises. Okay. I left um, a little something in the bottom drawer for you as well. <laughs> exactly. Now, one of our other great supporters here at Hego Made is my very good friend Cara. And uh, Cara and I, I'm, we have differing memories of this but i i recall asking her reasonably early in the pace place piece because i knew she had a, a mental health story to tell um uh, she'd be involved and her initially saying no but she claims that that didn't happen and that i've just been a slack ass i'm sure that i'd asked her earlier anyway um one of the early episodes that barb and i did together through the year um probably around about may was one about weight and, our, and and how our weight has impacted our mental health. And um, it was based actually on a, a comment that Kara had made. And so I wanted to go back and explore that with her and um, and talk about that. And one of the things that she did through the year is um, is have the, bas- the gastric sleeve weight loss surgery. And um, she's lost an incredible amount of weight. She looks so good. Um, she's healthier. And, and well, actually, I feel really weird saying she looks so good because whilst it is certainly a part of it, um, I think losing weight should be about being healthy. It shouldn't be about looking a certain way. Um, I hate that, that societal pressure to go, well, you have to look like this. But she she does look fantastic. She's lost a lot of weight. She, um, But she she looks healthier, which is probably part of the, hopefully part of the reason she looks fantastic. Cara made a number of changes this year to her, to a health and well-being regime. She talked really openly in this episode about her experiences with self-harm and particularly cutting. Um, she talks, and in, in the little clip we talk about, she talks where she's talking about being confronted. That's what she's talking about. The episodes she's talking about is talking about her episodes of self-harm. But if you haven't listened to the full episode, you'll hear... And it's something I relate to. You'll hear her talk about, you know, her weight affected her mental health, but her mental health then um, would affect her weight. So, you know, the worse she felt, the more she would eat. The more she'd eat, the bigger she'd get. The bigger she'd get, the worse she felt. And then that vicious cycle continues. So if you, I mean, uh, again, this is one of the episodes that I know Cara got incredible feedback from. She got so many people talking, messaging her and saying, I didn't know that that was happening for you, messaging her and saying, me too, I felt exactly the same way. And again, it's one of those things where you go, yeah, that's why we do our job, that's why we do what we do here, because we want someone else to hear that and go, I'm not the only one, thank goodness. And hopefully that helps them to feel better and helps them to to start uh, getting in front of their mental health concerns so 
Uh, this is Cara. Um, I also often joke she's the female version of me. We have very similar personalities and very similar outlooks on life and tastes in superheroes and all sorts of things. So it was really fantastic to sit down with her. But uh, this is Cara and uh, her weight loss journey and uh, and how it's impacted on her mental health. Um, the first episode was really confronting. I had a second episode then in February um, and didn't really bounce back from that the way I should have. And then I got to about May and I started to notice there was a pattern of about three or four months where I'd sort of dip down and bounce back up. And yeah. I thought, I've got to get on top of this. Yeah. And and that and that's when I went, all right, what is the biggest crux that's consuming me every single day that's making me feel like I can't get control of my mental health? And it came down to my weight. Yeah. That connected directly to my weight. I I was at a point where I and I've been like this for years and didn't realise how much it was consuming me. I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't have milk in my coffee because I was worried about the calories. Mm. Stupid thing. Like I have an espresso shot. You know, I don't care that it, you know, tastes bitter and shit. And shit. Yeah, I'd much rather have a large caramel latte, but I couldn't justify the calories. You know, I've never, I haven't drunk full strength soft drink in about 10 years because yeah. I've trained my body that that's how it is. You know, yeah. I don't eat bread and things like that because it just, it, it literally impacted every single mouthful I'd put into my body because yeah. I was so obsessed with my weight and my physical appearance. Yeah. Uh, so I hit about May in the middle of middle of lockdown, and I and I went to Jason. And truth be told, I'd probably been thinking about it subconsciously for a few years and not been honest with myself again. Yeah. Um, and said, "I'm going to look into bariatric surgery. I'm yeah. going to consider having gastric sleeve surgery to yeah. get this under control and that free up my mental space to be able to actually deal with the issues that are making me make poor food choices. Yeah, and not motivated to exercise." Yeah, I, I work on the idea, and I'm a this five cent psychology here, but I work on the idea that <clears throat> food's an addiction, like all of them. You know, yep. um, you take, as you said before, you take a drug to numb and to forget for a while. Alcohol does the same. You know, I, I'm still of the opinion that most of the people you look at your Facebook fo- feed, and most of those people that are go oh, can't wait to have a wine when I get home tonight are actually saying, can't wait to self-medicate my mental health when I get home tonight. It's escapism. Yeah, 100%. Yep. And and for me, food is the same. Yep. Because let's be honest, hot chips are freaking awesome. Oh. And they the taste amazing. And when you feel shit, there is just nothing better yep. than a good bucket of hot chips with chicken salt. Yep. <laughs> you know. And gravy. And, oh, so there you go. Yeah. This is why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, and that, so to me, it's, a, it's that same addiction stuff. Yep. And, and it's rooted in... You know, dealing with traumas, it's rooted in make yourself feel good because things have made you feel shit. And, you know, I think you have a similar thing that I have as well, though, which is, okay, cool, you love to eat and you put on weight and then you feel crap. And the more crap you feel, the more weight you put on. Yep. <laughs> the more it's weight you put cycle. on, the more crap you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. The other thing for me, too, I guess, around that um, just loving to eat, for me, I, I've discovered it's a real cultural thing. So my background's Italian, yeah. and we had a, a rule growing up, and, yeah. and and it still sticks today. My grandfather still doesn't cope with it. Um, you have to finish everything on your plate, and you must go back for seconds and thirds and fourths. Otherwise, you're offending somebody that yeah. you don't enjoy their cooking. Yeah. And I remember the first meal I had to have with him post-surgery, he wanted to order pizza because he doesn't get to do that very often. I was like, cool, no worries. You order pizza. I'm going to sit here and eat my fruit. And I was quite happy to eat my fruit. I didn't even feel like the pizza. But for him, he was absolutely gobsmacked and just shocked that I 
didn't want to share the meal with him. He couldn't. It's so ingrained in Italian culture that... I tried to say no to an Italian grandmother once. It didn't end well. It didn't end well. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to warn all of the support staff that go into the home that you have to be prepared to eat, otherwise you can't leave. Yeah. It's just part of the culture. And I grew up under... I mean, my dad still does that too. He still, you know, go back for seconds, thirds, you know, have a healthy appetite. And I always have, but it's around having some moderation and what's actually better for my health now. I'm actually okay with having one or two pieces of chocolate and letting it go instead of having two litres of ice cream and then wondering why. All righty. Nearly there, folks. If you've listened this far, thank you so much. Um, towards the end of the year, we, as I said, got involved with the men's table and uh, started to... The thing that tends to happen with this podcast is we tend to have periods where getting a lot, hearing lots of the same stories. Um I had an experience myself this year with uh, Mike's wife moving into state and my older daughter moving as well and having really no control over that process and um certainly not certainly not agreeing to my child moving into state and really you know that have that having a pretty incredible impact on my mental health through the year and it was one of the reasons that I sort of uh, got involved with the men's tables we spoke about earlier on but um I started to just hearing lots of conversations in, in the early stages of the men table and in the introductory stages, hearing a couple of men talk about having very similar experiences with um, with separation and divorce that I had and how that made them feel. And I'd been in contact with a while for a while with um, Graham, who was on our podcast, and, and Graham has also become an incredible supporter of ours, and he's a fantastic guy. Um, and he runs a, a service called Family Crisis Support, and we we talk a little bit about what they do with with that. But um, it's not male specific, although he does tend to help males because males find themselves in in um, a bit of a pickle when it comes to these kind of things. And he talks tells a few stories, but um, you know, talking about supporting people through divorce, and you know, people that all of a sudden find themselves without a home, without furniture, having no idea, and and he told me a few stories about, you know, connecting people. And, and I think in our clip we talk about you know, connecting people with accountants and solicitors and getting people furniture and, and putting people into, you know, rental accommodations and just the work that he does um, in, in terms of supporting men. Uh, he he did, does do some incredible work in terms of supporting men's rights as well. Um, and And I know that's a little bit of a controversial area, but, you know, we're really high in the health statistics. There's a reason why um, six men a day um, support, you know, are suiciding every single day. You know, there's a reason why that happens, and um, you know, there are a lot of men out there who feel unsupported and who feel alone and feel disconnected and feel like there's a system out there that that really is quite against them in a lot of ways, and so. Ben's doing. Ben, Graham's doing some fantastic work in terms of getting them reconnected and getting them back on track. And you know, he's had his own struggles. He talks about a little bit of that in his in his episode. But in this little section, we we have a bit of a chat about, um, I guess maybe the birth of family crisis support. Again, if you get a chance, go and jump on his Facebook page. Um, and and basically, he is out there. As he said, I want to take the gender out of it. I just want to support people to make sure that they um, stay connected through these times where 
it's actually the most difficult. So this is Graham, and again, a big thank you to uh, Graham. He's he, like a, he's such an incredible support to us, and I'm really um, glad that we were able to kind of you know connect with each other. Don't know how do we go down this. This part is, I'm just Graham McFarlane. That's just, that's who I am. Yeah. Right. I've done all this stuff. I've had all these experiences, but I'm I'm struggling to get a lot of cut through with people uh, gifting because I'm not an organisation. Yeah. I'm not a charity. No, I'm not a tax deduction. Mm. It's actually quite funny since COVID started that um, everyone was thinking domestic violence and all this and stats. And I was listening to radio. There's all these stats. No, there's been no statistics. Statistics are a year to two years old. How could you know Mm. how much has happened? Well, I've actually, I've actually had multiple charities reach out to me as an individual saying, how can we help? Mm. But the problem they've got is I'm not an entity. Mm. Now, I need to be an entity to show whether they've put those funds so yeah. that they get their funding for the next year. Yeah. And remember we talked about earlier about process? Mm. It's like a game. Yeah. you just got to learn the rules. Yeah. Uh, well, that's okay. So, so three weeks ago, I sat in front of a couple of my mates. Well, we need an entity. What's it going to look like? Mm. My cousin's a wordsmith. He's trying to work out stuff. And, and I almost got it wrong. I almost called it dads because I help a lot of dads. Mm. But I'm sick of this gender thing. So mm. it's just family, mm. just family assistance. So we've got an entity now. Give me some stuff I can give to people. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, I, it, we go in the garage right now, mate. I've got four mattresses sitting there right now, ready to go. Two will go out next week. Yeah, it's just who we are. I always say to people, I, I similar story. I, I furnished a two bedroom unit simply by putting a thing on Facebook and saying, if you've got anything you're not using anymore, I'll take it. Lounges. Uh, a friend had just redone their whole lounge room, so yeah. I had a coffee table, a TV unit, a bookcase. A but you're 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 buffet and you're an outgoing guy, and and, and that for yeah. you that would mean um, people are going to help me out if I ask them, right? Yeah, and people will. Yeah. But what I'm noticing is um, guys don't like to ask that question, yeah. right? Yeah. And that and that's just the reality. That's yeah. and and I tell you what, that's never going to change. No. So stop trying to change it. So. In our in, in, in Hills District Dads and also the other other group, mm. they do an anonymous post. Mm. So the admins have set it up so that I could be a I could be Johnny Smith and I've got this issue and I send a message off to the anonymous email address mm-hmm. and it keeps me anonymous. Mm. They grab my message and they put it up as a post as anonymous and then mm. the community responds to it. Yeah. Um, it's been so successful. Mm. So these guys can can get support without the community knowing they're the guy that needed that fridge right. or they're the guy. I had a guy that needed a fridge the other week. He just yeah. needed a fridge because he, he, he sourced everything himself, but he was just sick of asking people for help. Yeah. Um, well, then I just got on. He's got a fridge. Someone else had a fridge. Um, and I actually just got person A to go to person B and, and he picked up the fridge. Yeah. And I think that's the answer, yeah. you know. Mate, it's connection. I'm convinced it's connection. And yeah. it is, like I said, you know, it is that the guy that goes, who the hell do I talk to? There's your group. You can put the message out there. And within an hour, the bloke's got a fridge or, you know, a bed or a lounge or somewhere for his well, kid there's, to sleep. There's, there's other services. Um, this one will make you laugh. I had a dad who who had um, child services or whatever, facts or whatever they call themselves now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. come out and do a full investigation about him being a sole parent. Mm. Like, they were hell-bent trying to find something wrong with the guy. Mm. And 
the message I had for him is embrace it. They're coming to your house and they are they are looking for dust behind the TV, mate. This is how this is how they are. Yeah. But it's a process and embrace it. So what actually happened is because of his positive attitude. Now this is a guy that has a forty eight page family plan with his ex wife. Mm. Plans usually fifteen pages. Yeah. Right? So he's a good guy. And and the, this is all happening to him and I just, and I just said and he and he sort of came to the conclusion I'm just gonna embrace the experience. Next thing the the um I don't know what they call themselves, the person from Facts comes out. Next thing she's suggesting courses that he can do. Now he's a he's a young dad. He he needs to learn how to be a dad. Like we still need to learn how to be a dad. You don't yeah. just get the badge. No. And there's all these there's actually all these um services out there that can help him. But these services don't know where these dads are. Mm. They actually don't know how to communicate with them. Mm. And that's where um, Family Cross has come about. And we just thought, well, if we get to know the services, I don't care about, you know, putting bums on seats. I just care about, well, you, you need to help that bloke. He needs your help. Yeah. Can he come? Can he call you? Here's a guy. Yeah. yeah. You, you need your KPI for this one? There he is. Yeah. <laughs> He's there. You know. Just yeah. keeping it real simple. Yeah. Well, one, I had a dad the other day, well, I was down at Greystone's coffee shop. I think my thing's coffee shops, by the way. Yeah, no. Yeah. Completely can't be, understandable. Can't be at the pub, you know. <laughs> Pubs don't work because no. that's, yeah, that's social. And, he, and and just listening to him and, and he's, you know, he's got a lot of challenges and he's, his ex moved interstate and all this sort of stuff. And I said, well, you just need some advice, mate. You need an accountant and you need a, a solicitor. Have you got one? No. Nah. I had one, but they took 20 grand i got nothing out of it right here you just need a good one he goes yeah, yeah. i said i'll get you a good one yeah and that's it oh uh we've saved uh the 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 big guns for last um this is was the final two episodes of our year and it is my one of my oldest friends amanda amanda as if you've listened to the episodes is a very interesting person she's a author she's a lecturer She's a serial killer expert, which is what she writes about and talks about. She's an incredibly successful podcaster. And in June of 2017, her husband, one of my other oldest friends, one of my great, one of the greatest influences on my life, uh, her husband, Steve, uh, suicided. And uh, sitting and watching and seeing uh, the fallout, the effect that that had on her life, her family's life, her children's lives has been, it's, it's a really weird, it's been one of the, one of the toughest things I've ever had to, to sit back and, and witness. And we made the choice back in 2017 and we were going to try and do some work that meant that no one else ever did this again or that, you know, at the very least, if there were some people out there that we could save, then we would do that. So that's why Steve and Amanda are the reason that How You Going Mate exist. They are, he is the reason that we do what we do. He's the reason we post Facebook pages and do podcasts and all those sorts of things. So I wanted to hear a little bit of her story. And this is a two-part episode. There's some really interesting stuff in there. Um, she talks about grief. She talks about... There's a, a question that I ask her in the second episode... You know, what would you say to somebody if they are sitting there and thinking now that they want to kill themselves? What's your response? And and it is simply don't do it. You think we're going to be better off. You think that, you know, you might convince yourself that your family will be better off without you and it's not the truth. So do not do it. 
Um, but in this little clip, we talk about her experience of grief and um, and how she's. I, I start with you had the worst day of your life. What does the comeback look like? And um, and a little bit about how she's managing her health and well being, um, even to this day. She's done remarkably well. She's um, it, it is a. I say it all the time. It is. I, I got to see a couple of people at that time um, put on a masterclass in strength and resilience, and uh, the fact that she's still here and is still telling her story, and is is a credit to her incredible resilience. So, um, this is just a little bit from my uh, nearly two hour conversation with Amanda. It was the worst day of your life, right? Where does the where does the comeback start? Uh, what it, I want to come back in twenty five years and ask me. That <laughs> <laughs> um, you've done remarkably well, and you don't need me I to have, tell you this. You've done yeah, remarkably yeah, well. Yeah. I, like um, it's it's two steps forward, one step back constantly. Mm. Um, I have a fear of a good day. I'm terrified of a good day because I think what's the bad that's coming. Yeah. I I because throughout my entire life, at any time I said things are going good, the world would fall in. Yeah. Steve said it. We're doing good, hun. We're we're, we're finally ahead. Yeah. Two weeks later, he's dead. Yeah. Um. It's. I can wake up and I can be fine, and then I'll see an ad at a bus stop and it'll break me it's you know it's it's, it's like it is you're yeah. tough for the bigger things you know you steal yourselves for his birthday and our wedding anniversary and all of this though oh and my god his birthday this year was horrific a whole lot of things went wrong and and, and, and all of that's November for you yeah, as well yeah, so which you birthday, mentioned birthday, before about how you're desperate to get to December yeah because yeah. December's Christmas but December's also not November yeah <laughs> um, my family knows that in October, they just don't speak to me. Yeah. Because it's it's building. You're just it's sitting there, just and building, anxiously and building. looking at November. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, because his birthday, it goes his birthday, then four days later, our wedding anniversary, then a week later, Trent, my son's birthday, and then a, four days after that is my birthday. So within fifteen days is those four events. So yeah. that's a big week, a big fortnight. But um, we get there. But um, yeah, it's. There's no healing. There's no point that we get to and say, okay, that's behind me now. I now live with this. This is what I have to cope with every single day. Yeah. I have to wake up and know I no longer have a husband. Yeah. I have to take phone calls from Telstra who want to speak to my husband. And when I say he's dead, they don't understand. You know, um, there is odd things that come up and like people celebrating their wedding anniversaries. Mm. Breaks my heart. Every single one that people go, oh, yeah, yeah we're at 26, we're at 35. We're at... We got to 19 and a half exactly. And it is, well, not exactly, but it's 19 and a half. But we'll... there's a special date for us in, in December as well. But um, people talk about our, their, their wedding anniversaries and most of our friends are now at the 25 and 30 and mm. all of that. Um, and... They hurt more than anything seeing those on Facebook. Right. It's like, I'll never get there. I'll never have a 20th wedding anniversary. It's a, such a weird thing to get upset about. No. But it's, it's just that affects me more than even my wedding anniversary. Like, I don't even know what number we would be up to now. 
because I stopped because mm. it stopped at 19 and a half. I never got to 20. I celebrated the 20th. I, I celebrated the first 18 months of his death. Well, not celebrate, but mourned it through alcohol. Like I've been sober now for 19 and a half months. Yep. Um, I wasn't drinking a lot. I was drinking often. Mm. And I end up having blackouts, and that's not safe, and my kids deserve better. So I just went cold turkey, done. It's, and I haven't touched a drink since. Um, and I love my wine, and it's very yeah, hard not to, but I've just done it. But it's about there's no closure. There's no, there will never be the answer that will satisfy me. There will never be that, oh, okay, someone found out the reason. That's good. Thanks. Hmm. It's done this closure. There, there's no such thing as closure. Like I've, I've spoken with families of murder victims and things like that. There's no such thing as closure. You might get some answers. Well, hmm. I won't get answers. There's no answers to get. Hmm. Um, but this is now part of my story. Like it sort of sits on my shoulder like a dead parrot, basically. It's just there constantly. And you just know it's there. You know that any moment it's going to mean something again. Like it's like it's mm. it's constantly in in my mind, mm. but at the same time, it's not there at all. I know that sounds really weird. But so, is the trick to is the trick to just let that emotion happen and feel it and just run with it, or is it to avoid it and no, try you and can't. stop it. You, you have to hold it. You, if I was to let my emotions be what they were, like I did at the start, I let them go. Mm. At the start, I yep. was doing Facebook lives. I just that that was my therapy. Was I don't care if no one watches this. I don't care if no one sees it. And most of them, are, I sort of private after a day or so because I didn't want people to keep commenting on them. This was me blurting out and being hysterical, and that's oh, what I needed to do. Watched quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah, and they're horrible. I, I, I watched a few the other day, and it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this to everyone. Did, um, was it the ugly crying face? Because that would have been me. <laughs> uh, sometimes I was, I'm in full TV makeup, you know, eyelashes yeah, and everything, and I'm sobbing my heart out. Yeah, I remember those. In, and the school cues at, at school, that was the worst time. But um, it's... That, that if, if yeah, I there's if I could, I would continue to cry every single day for the rest of my life. Right, I could easily do it, and I'm very good at holding it now. Mm. I'm very good, and I've been on many different an- antidepressants, and with all my other issues and everything, I've swapped and changed four hundred times, and now I'm down to almost nothing. Um, but. I really could be easily at day one for the rest of my life because that's the pain I still carry. It's not any less, mm. not even a scary. It's not like, oh, my God. There, there's a quote I love, um, and believe it or not, it's from Blacklist, and I've never watched Blacklist. I've watched about three episodes, and this was in one of them, and Red to says... the James Spader thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and Red says, um, grief is, is a strange thing. Um, you wake up every day, and it's the first thing that you think about. Mm. And you'll do that forever. And then one day you'll wake up and it'll be the second thing you think about. And I live for that, it to be the second thing. Right. I wake up each day. Steve There's is never in my been a day. No. Steve is in my bedroom. I talk to him. Hmm. He's in a box in my bedroom yeah. still because um, I, I can't think of a worthy place for him. A cemetery is not good enough and he wouldn't want to be in a cemetery because they're consecrated ground and he's anti-religion and all of that so I mm. couldn't do that and I want to be mixed in with him and mm. have us put somewhere the kids can decide where then um, so he's to wait for me basically 
I don't touch it. Like, I dust the box and stuff. I don't even have an urn for him. Hmm. So he's, he's still in that plastic Yeah, container. but it's inside a beautiful box. Okay. Um, my mum had this gorgeous, gorgeous box, and she goes, I don't know what to do with that. that. I, I said, I think Steve will fit in it. So I bought it home, fit perfectly. So, um, and I've got his, his rings and my rings in there and all bits and pieces like that. Just some bits and pieces of him. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, every day, it's my first thought. It's another day. I'm still here. And he's not. Oh, alrighty, folks. That's uh, nearly at the end of our little clip show. Um, yeah, that, that, you know, those, that last couple of hours of recording last year was one amongst the toughest I've done. And, Listening back to those episodes actually had me in tears, which um, and I recorded them, so but I had me in tears, so it was really interesting. Look, I, I'm going to say a massive thank you to everyone that supports us, that everyone that listens, that everyone that shares, that everybody that tells their friends about us, that anyone that says has said to me throughout the year what a good job we're doing and how much they enjoy what we do. All the people that have been on the show, and I'm going to read out the entire list, which is um, Johnny Bones, Trav and Laura... Simon and Blake, Brendan and Deb from Southwest Sydney Mental Health, uh, Primary Health Network, I should say. Um, my good mate Ben Towers, uh, he did a fantastic episode on mental health and the athlete's mindset. Of course, Johnny Lobos, Erin DeRoy, who her child, her episode on um, having a child with anxiety and and being a mum of a child with anxiety. Uh, Justin, uh, Justin. From got on and talked a bit about meditation and, and his experience with um, childhood trauma and how he's taking control of his mental health. Uh, so I'm uh, Ben Hughes, uh, David Poynton as well, Asher. Pardon me, a big thank you to her, uh, to Asher for appearing on the show. Um, Nathan, Nathan Peterson. Uh, our first ever guest, he's been on four times now, and, and again, if there's ever a Hey Game Mate Hall of Fame, he's in there as well. He's one of the walk-up starts. Uh, he's always willing to have a chat, and, and he's done so incredibly well turning his life around. If you ever want to hear uh, a story of a man that's turned his life around, just listen to the four episodes that Nathan's done. Um, the great, the wonderful and great Eliza Clark and her husband Craig. Craig wasn't on this year, but he, you know, He's incre- they're both incredible supporters. Cara Graham and, of course, Amanda uh, for appearing on here. And um, as I said, a big thank you to everyone for supporting us. And last but most certainly not least, big thank you to my wife, Barb. Barb does so much in terms of, uh, well, she's always my go-to if we don't have a guest for an episode. Um, she's shared some of her story on here. She's always got good ideas. She does some great stuff on the social media pages. So... A massive thank you to Barb and um, her continued support. Uh, we're going to keep going in 2021, folks. Uh, I had a little crisis of faith towards the end of last year. had a conversation with my cousin, Kurt, and Kurt just looked at me and said, you can't stop doing what you're doing. Consistency and persistency. Your hard work will pay off. Just keep being consistent and keep being persistent. And uh, that's our model for this year, consistency and persistency. So... Thank you so much for listening. We're going to do it uh, all again in 2021. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. 